So yes, this is the uh, amateur astronomer viewpoint, um, and you'll find that by my talk because I'm not used to giving these. But anyway, uh, amateur astronomy can be as basic as just using a perfectly ordinary little compact digital camera, and you can take pictures like this. This is some of my fellow astronomers at the Rollwright Stones. Um, in the background, um, I use a stick, and if you don't stay awake, I'll hit you with it. <laughs> you can see there's the moon. Uh, Venus and Jupiter. This was a conjunction about a year ago and this was taken in the Kingstone field so here you can see the, uh, the Kingstone with the same objects above it and another viewpoint um, and this time I've got a torch and I've painted the stone with light to give a bit of an interesting foreground but still kept the conjunction in the background there. So always trying to look for sort of different viewpoints and things. If you go over the road from the Kingstone, uh, you go into the actual Rollwright field itself. And again, this picture was taken painting the stones in the foreground with a torch. Uh, we did have the police along at one stage. They did think something strange was happening there with various lights going on, but it's, it's happened on more than one occasion. And in the background, again, this is with a, with a fixed camera, you can see the summer Milky Way leading up into the sky. It's a very good sight out there, very dark. So. Um, a good point for us. We do have star parties up there, so if, it, unfortunately, if it's not clear tonight, and if you want to come up to the Rollwright Stones on the 14th of April, which is just a few weeks away, we're having what's called a solar Sunday, and we're going to have telescopes there during the day looking at the sun, and hopefully if it stays clear, we'll go through to the evening when we'll have a similar event to this, where we'll have lots of telescopes up there um, members of the public coming to view. You can tell which ones are the members of the public because they're the ones with the white torches. Not very good for astronomy, but very good for photographs. So, um, This, again, similar picture, but it's a, a frame from a time lapse. Now, if I can uh, just fire this up for a moment just to give you an idea of what the uh, original looked like. So I've got the camera set up. Obviously, I can't illuminate the stones all the time, but basically, there's Orion rising, Procyon, Sirius just coming up. So I'm taking a picture about every 30 seconds, and you get nice pictures of the clouds going over, an awful lot of aircraft, and it will just sort of cycle round and round. And when you get a lot of pictures like that, you can then put them together. Okay, and again, basic astrophotography, and this is where it's really dark. You might just make a cassia appear upside down here. And that's on a, like a 30 second exposure. And with a fixed camera, that's about the limit of what you can do. If you start to give longer exposures, all the stars obviously were on a rotating globe. And this is the pole star. All the stars appear to be rotating around it. So if you give a longer exposure, things start to drift. So to get around this problem, and most of the pictures you're going to see tonight, about 80% of them or so, are taken with this setup. No telescope. A perfectly ordinary DSLR camera. Uh, lenses normally around about 200 millimeter. That's a longer one there. But on a tripod and what's called an AstroTrack tracker. And this we've got over in the corner room at the, uh, at the moment. 
So after the meeting, if you've got any questions about it, it's probably a lot easier to actually talk to me over there because I've got the equipment to hand, I can show you the pictures and can discuss how it works. But as I say, it's a perfectly normal Canon DSLR camera, 200 millimeter lens, and this little unit here will give me about two hours worth of tracking. And then you can start to get pictures like this. This is looking up into Cygnus. You've got Deneb here. And this is the North American Nebula. And in fact, if I put the next picture up, I'll put some constellation outlines up and various regions within that. And if I move on to the next one, there's a closer up region, obviously called the North American Nebula because it looks like North America and this is the Gulf of Mexico. They haven't found one yet that looks like Oxfordshire or anything. There's a California one, and, but they seem to be mostly American. And again, in the same shot, this is a 50 millimeter lens taking this shot, so quite a wide field. Down the bottom here, we've got the Veil Nebula. So if we put the 200 millimeter lens on, and you get this, and this is a supernova remnant, and exposure time here. Um, it's probably in the region of about an hour, hour and a half or so. This side is called the uh, Witch's Broom for sort of fairly obvious reasons. Back again and down here, Dumbbell Nebula. It's a little planetary nebula. This time it is taken through a telescope. But again, only sort of like minutes worth of exposure. Um, very easy to capture. The modern equipment is, is brilliant. I started taking astrophotographs back in the 70s when it was on film and you spent hours taking pictures and you processed them and found they were out of focus. These days, it's all on the back of the camera. It's wonderful. And here we go back again. And also what we can do is we can use different wavelengths. Um, if you look in this region up here again, um, you can take pictures with little hydrogen alpha filters that actually clip into the back of the camera. So this is just taking it with a wavelength of 656 nanometers. It's like an incredibly deep red filter, which is a real pain because you can't see through it. So you, first of all, you have to find a bright star to focus on and guess where you're pointing and it's, it's not easy. But you can get these nice pictures. And again, the sort of faint wisps of fronds of nebulosity that it picks up is far better than what you see on the, uh, on the, on the main picture. Now again, if I go back to that one just over here, this is the Crescent Nebula. It's like a little jellyfish. So again, a slight enlargement <coughs> on that one. To get these pictures, though, the easiest way to do it is to take multiple images and then stack them in software. So you'll take a series, say, I've got about a two-hour period. You'll probably take a three-minute exposure, and you'll take as many as you can before the track runs out. And of course, when you're taking your pictures, our dear old friend satellites there going across the Orion Nebula. So here's your next picture. As the satellite goes straight across the frame, it just disappears. And then lo and behold, here comes the next satellite. So all of these things have to be taken out in your processing. If you're really unlucky, you've got aircraft going straight across the Horsehead Nebula, little flashing lights on the side. And in fact, sometimes you see them like this. Now, I was taking a picture of the Andromeda Galaxy. Aircraft comes whizzing across but the strobe lights have actually lit up the tailplane of the aircraft. It looks like fish going across the picture. So uh, I think I was, was quite lucky. But if you stack all those pictures together, you can start to bring out more detail, and then you can enhance them 
to bring out the nebula. Now, part of the problem with uh, doing astrophotography is actually finding the objects. Now, um, I've got here a little program called Stellarium. And if I sort of zoom in over here, uh, here's Orion. And with my setup, I can call up little preset frames for all my different lenses. So uh, if I set this to the 200 millimeter lens and rotate it by 90 degrees, if I move Orion in, you can see from the previous picture, that's the sort of framing that uh, we were getting. You can see the horse head, well, very faint here, but the horse head nebula and the Orion Nebula down there. So very useful. Um, if I set this to the current time and zoom back out again, if it's clear when this finishes, yes, over in the corner, setting in the west at the moment is Comet Panstars. And again, this is at Stellarium as a free program. Search on the web for it, download it. It's wonderful for all this sort of playing out. Um, the background pictures at the bottom here, you can preload your own up. This is the airfield um, <coughs> south of Chipping Norton where we observe from. So you can preload the horizons to see whether it goes behind trees or anything. But yes, Comet Panstars um, was fairly lucky in seeing that last week. Uh, on the Wednesday uh, was the first gap and it is there. Just down there in the clouds, very faint. And I took a series of pictures with a longer lens. And again, you can see I was quite lucky. It tracked along very nicely in a little gap between the clouds. Each one of these pictures is only about eight seconds or so on a 300 millimeter lens. But using the same process to stack them, like I do with the nebulas, I can stack all those together and get a picture of the comet like that. Sunday night was clearer, and I managed to get a picture that looked like that. Um, it is just about visible to the naked eye, but it should get better as it moves away from the sun um, into darker uh, territory. And in fact, if I fire up another movie, this, that last picture you saw, this is actually uh, a continuous set of pictures that I took. You can see the clouds coming across. But if you look at the comet in relation to that star, you can see it is moving away from it. So it's pulling away from the sun and it's going to get better and better. And if it's clear, when you leave here, go up to the roof or outside, and uh, hopefully there'll be some guys there who can actually show you it. So that's the comet. And if we now go back to Andromeda, Andromeda, Orion Nebula, M42. This is, again, is a 300 millimeter shot taken from the Rollwright stones, uh, about an hour and a half's worth of exposure. Um, but it's bringing out all the very faint nebulosity around the outside. It's the fun to this, a lot of it, is actually doing all the processing on the computer afterwards. Uh, in the old days, I was a darkroom technician, and you had the magic of seeing the image appear on the paper as you rocked it in the dish. It's all instant these days. But with astrophotography, you get the magic back because you have to work on it to get the pictures out again. Uh, simple pictures, the moon, take a picture of the moon. Um, this one, um, it's just very close to the Pleiades, uh, the Seven Sisters. If you look through binoculars at those, you can see sort of several hundred pictures there. And this is 
the planet Mercury underneath. But again, take some pictures with a telescope. This is a four-inch refractor, full moon, not really a good time to see a lot of detail, but you do see the ray structures. Uh, this is Tycho at the bottom here, Copernicus and that. You, you get the ray stru structures wonderfully well. But if you wait for a half moon, and again, I think if you go outside and it's clear, it will look like this. But the detail that you can get, if you sort of scroll up and down, even with just a small telescope, this is what you should be sort of seeing. And then on occasions, you get things flying across in front of it. Um, that just happens to be the International Space Station. And there are a couple of websites, um, Heavens Above and CalSky, where you can put in your coordinates and you can ask it to look for transits. And it will appear exactly to within one hundredth of a second of, of what they say it will. So you go to a place, you look at the moon, you count down the timer, click take a picture. You can also take it with your four-inch refractor telescope. This is a lot trickier to actually follow as it goes across because if you've ever seen the ISS go across, it's moving at a fair old pace. So this is taken with a telescope. I'm looking through a little sighter on the side, just going click, click, click continuously as it goes over. And I managed to grab a few frames where it was showing and um, put them together into a little animated GIF. So this thing's the size of a football field going across at 17 and a half thousand miles an hour, but you can still get that. And obviously the ISS will transit the sun as well. So you go off when you find a place where the thing just goes whizzing across in front of the sun. And it takes about one and a half seconds to go across. So you really have to be on the ball with the timing when it comes up. And that's a little close-up of it. And of course, when you see it at night through a scope, or uh, it will actually be a, a strange shape. But whenever it transits the sun, it's always this H shape, because obviously the solar panels are pointing at the sun pointing away from you, so it always looks like that shape. But again, so you have to look um, on these websites to find out where these transits are going to occur. And sometimes the positions they give you to take the pictures from are not necessarily the best. <laughs> it was slightly smelly, but we did get to see it. Um, sadly, no longer to be seen, the space shuttle. But this was taken from my back garden in Whitney back in 2009. Uh, you watch on the internet for when the space shuttle launches, and this can only be done obviously around about sunrise or sunset time. And then 17 minutes after launch, it flies over here. And as you know, if you've seen the space shuttle, it's the white space shuttle is white and the fuel tank is orange. It used to be white, but they now don't paint it white because it, well, when it was flying, because it saved weight. So you saw these two little star trails come across, one with an orange tint, which is the fuel tank that's been dropped off, and the white one is the shuttle on its way up to the ISS. Uh, a few more deep sky ones. Um, this galaxy um, is the Andromeda galaxy. And this was taken from Scotland this year. So somewhere really, really dark. Lots of exposures, lots of computer time to put it together. But no telescope, just a 300 millimeter camera lens. This thing is about six times the width of the full moon across. So it's, it's quite massive, and to the eye, it's, it's, you can see it as a faint splodge, but, but nothing more. Um, a few other little galaxies. And supernovas. Uh, again, this was 
a year ago tomorrow, I think it was, um, this supernova went off very close to Mars, which is quite unusual. And again, this is just a 200 millimeter camera lens, but you're still picking out all these little galaxies and this little one here, there's a little supernova. So a 200 millimeter camera lens, you can photograph supernovas. And this one is just a, the last one here. This is a, um, a little diagram to show the, uh, the light pollution. Um, Oxford, not necessarily the best place to be for observing, but uh, at Chipping Norton, we observe up near the Rollwright Stones, which is just up here. So we're in a sort of slightly darker area and uh, we would welcome any of you if you'd like to sort of come along on the 14th and do some observing with us. So thank you very much. <laughs>